This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Gracias a la vida. Me ha dado tanto. Me dio dos luceros. Que cuando los abro, perfecto distingo lo negro del blanco. Y en el alto cielo su fondo estrellado y en las multitudes el hombre que yo amo. Gracias a la vida me ha dado tanto me ha dado el sonido y el abecedario con las palabras que pienso y declaro madre amigo hermano y luz alumbrando la ruta del alma del que estoy amando gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me ha dado la marcha de mis pies cansados con ellos anduve ciudades y charcos playas y desiertos montañas y llanos y la casa tuya tu calle y tu patio me ha dado tanto me dio el corazón que agita su marco cuando miro el fruto del cerebro humano cuando miro el bueno tan lejos del malo cuando miro el fondo ojos claro gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me ha dado la risa y me ha dado el llanto así yo distingo picha de quebranto los dos materiales que forman mi canto y 
el canto de ustedes que es el mismo canto el canto de todos que es mi propio That is Mercedes Sosa with Gracias a la Vida. I've played that song before here, but I i don't know. I felt like playing it again today. Uh, the story behind that particular recording is extremely touching. So Mercedes Sosa is an Argentinian singer and uh, was very active in the 60s and the 70s in Argentina. And in 1976, the Junta, the dictator, took over and... Uh, made Argentina a very unpleasant place for artists, writers, musicians, anyone who had uh, a creative mind <laughs> and could think for themselves. And the atmosphere became so oppressive for people like Sosa, who um, in like 1977, 78, was doing a concert uh, in Argentina, and uh, the police came on stage and uh, searched her and arrested her. And it was it was just horrific. So she ended up leaving, um, leaving Argentina for a few years, was exiled, basically. And uh, she returned in 1982, just as the regime was it was clear the regime was falling apart. And um, <clears throat> she returned and did a series of concerts with other musicians um, in Buenos Aires at the Opera House. And that song you heard was one of the performances of that early concert back home. And uh, those cheers are the cheers of the people who who can really hear what she's saying. Um, uh, Gracias a la vida means thank you life. And the whole song, uh, if you Google the lyrics, the whole song is just, you know, thank you for the mountains and my arms and my mind. I mean, just on the love and it's just so beautiful. And that woman is literally pouring her heart out on that stage. Um, So yes, gracias a la vida. Thank you for the life. Um, I think I wanted to play that today because um, just, you know, life is, (laughs) as we know, it's crazy (laughs) these days. But there's been some things that just I've been trying to pull away from all the craziness and not let the day to day roller coaster of it all um, impinge on me so much trying to live a life away from all of that a little more detached with my heart open, of course. Um, But a couple of things that did bleed through this week, um, one of which is um, they landed a thing on a comet. (laughs) This is so spectacular. It is just the most amazing thing. And I holy shit, they launched this thing 10 years ago. It is 138 million miles away. 
if you look at the route this thing had to take, the science and math behind it is just beautiful. And here, and they fucking landed on it. Now, okay, the harpoons haven't, you know, I don't know if they've gotten the harpoons to work today, and I think it bounced a little, and they're not quite sure if it's safely on or not. God, I hope it stays on. I hope they can do their work. But um, holy shit. I mean, it reminds me of the moon landing. It is that kind of a feeling for me. And it uh, it made me miss my dad this week because he would have fucking loved that. He just would have loved, he loved stuff like that. So maybe miss my dad. Um, so, I, you know, just I'm so thankful that we live. I mean, even though technology and progress and the age of enlightenment and the industrial age and all of that has led to something like landing on a comet. It, but we also know it's really we've paid, we paid a major price for it, too. So there's the good with the bad. But I, I am thankful today to to be alive during a time where we can land shit on a comic. It's just it's just so cool. Uh, so that was one thing that got me um, thinking about Gracias a la Vida. And the other thing was that yesterday I heard the news that um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Vietnamese Zen master, um, he's um, an, an, a gentleman who, in the during the Vietnam War, he and his um, uh, sangha is what you call it in Buddhism. Uh, sangha, that's Stella, by the way. Uh, uh, would were in Vietnam and they worked to. Uh, help and aid people, the people of Vietnam, both the South and the North, uh, with food and um, medicines and and all sorts of things. And he was um, deemed a traitor by both sides, actually, because he wouldn't he refused to pick a side. Um, and Martin Luther King nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize in the in the 60s. He didn't win it, but he was nominated by, by Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King nominated him. <laughs> How cool is that? Uh, but I heard some news that um, Ty, as we like to call him, those of us who read his books and have studied with him, Ty means teacher in Vietnamese. Um, Ty is in the hospital in under intensive care. He's had a major brain aneurysm hemorrhage thing and um he's very elderly he's but he's never acted elderly but he's an old guy he's in his late 80s um and so i heard the news yesterday and so i wanted to read a little piece of my memoir that i have written that will be out next year but i'd written part of a chapter about ty and my time with him and so instead of writing a new essay today, I thought I would just pull this out of the book and um, you could hear a little bit about my relationship and what Thich Nhat Hanh has done for me. <clears throat> the chapter is called True Nature. After four months after my mom's death, I found myself in the car driving to the UC campus in Santa Barbara to attend a five-day mindfulness meditation retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Zen master. It was insane of me to do this. I'd never made it I'd never meditated longer than 4 minutes in my life, but I'd heard his voice on a tape, breathing in, you are the mountain, breathing out, you are solid. Breathing in, you are a flower, breathing out, you are fresh. And I knew, I knew when I heard that, I just had to go. 
For about 15 years, I'd been fascinated with Zen Buddhism, and by fascinated, I mean confused. I was stumped by the phrase, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood and carry water, and wanted to crack the code. I longed to be able to sit still, clear my mind, hush my ego, and learn to become unattached from the roller coaster of life. In my 20s, I'd often fantasized about running away to India and giving my life over to a spiritual practice and service to humanity. Of course, that might have been just a reaction to my years with Andrew, my first husband, but it always hung in the back of my mind. But what I really wanted now from this path was to know how to face death. Death was the scariest thing I knew, and I wanted to be able to learn to sit with it in a more conscious way. Zen and Buddhist practitioners have been facing death with great wit and aplomb for millennia. I was appalled at how mentally and emotionally checked out I was with my mother during the five weeks between her diagnosis and death. I wanted to do better when it came to my dad's death, and I hoped to do better when it came to my own. I was terrified of coming out of the closet about my spiritual longing to both Bob and my dad. They'd both endured the Catholic Church as children and teens and were vociferous in their disdain for it, and I feared that disdain would spread onto my choice. And yet, at the same time, they both had a relationship with the sacred in their own ways. But, disdain or not, I was going. I wasn't fucking around anymore. Seeing how fast cancer took my mom, I now understood that on any day, I could be hit by a bus, and that I needed to get on with things. There was a rod of strength in me now that said, do what you need to do for yourself. No one else will do it for you. So off to Santa Barbara I went. Enlightenment, here I come. When I got in the car, I realized that I'd not driven by myself outside the city since I drove to Lake Elsinore to see Bob during our first week together five years earlier. I thought to myself, if I make it to Santa Barbara without a panic attack, that'll be my win for the week. Everything else is icing on the cake. When I triumphantly arrived with nary a hint of panic, I made my way up to the dorms of UCSB to find out that there were about 1,100 other registered participants. My cult warning alarms immediately went off. Not only did I hate group anythings, I especially hated the can't you tell by what I'm wearing that my relationship to spirituality is better than yours type of group things. I took a deep breath and reminded myself, this is not about them. I'm here for me. When I checked in, the news got even grimmer. I had to share a room with a stranger walk and eat in silence and mindfully, whatever the fuck that meant, and do sitting meditation for 45 minutes at a time, three times a day. I breathed in and I breathed out. I felt neither like a mountain nor a flower. Every morning at dawn, we were invited down to the beach for walking meditation. I'm one of those unhappy morning people. I don't do mornings, but I really wanted to get all I could from this thing. And so I went down to the beach half asleep and joined about 400 strangers. Damn, I thought other people slept in. Clearly, they didn't want this enlightenment stuff as much as I did. I hadn't been there 12 hours and I was already getting a spiritual chip on my shoulder. I was well on my way to donning hemp clothing and bowing at every little thing. Bowing seems to be a big thing for these people. We began walking down the beach mindfully, which meant I was walking so slowly that I might, may as well have been walking backwards. At first, I was driven crazy by this snail-like pace, and my mind raced. 
how long is this going to take? At this rate, I won't have to worry about facing death because I'll be dead before we ever reach the end of this fucking walk. Am I doing it right? If my almost falling over during every step was any example, I was not. What is the fucking point of this? Walking had always been about getting somewhere. This was not about that. I recited the mantra Thai had given us to calm my agitation and focus my mind. As I put my right foot down, I said, I am the earth. And then I put my left foot down. The earth is me. As we headed down the beach with Ty leading us, I looked out at the Pacific Ocean. The blue-on-blue horizon and the salt air in my face gave me permission to relax a bit. The walking meditation became more natural. My mind shut off for a few minutes, and I was just there. We took a turn inland to the Nature Reserve Trail and walked single file on two parallel, narrow paths up a hill and around a lake. Four hundred of us mindfully took step after step, with silence filling the space between us. As I emerged onto a plateau, I looked over to my left and saw a red fox about 40 feet away. I was completely taken aback. I'd never seen a fox in nature before. It stared intently at a hole in the ground, hunting whatever lived there. It leapt up and pounced in that cute little way foxes do. It was completely unaware that just 40 feet away, hundreds of people were walking by. Because we were all mindfully walking, we'd become part of its landscape. I watched him for as long as I could, took a breath, another step, and thought, I am the earth. Wow, this shit really works. The earth is me. Fuck. Yeah. By the end of the five days, I was still not ready to face death, but at least I'd become a beginner Buddha. I was able, I was able to meditate for 10 minutes without wanting to run out of the room screaming. I also, much to my chagrin, felt great joy singing along with Ty, all the nuns and monks, and the 1100 others. I have arrived, I am home, in the here and in the now. And I realized that one could learn more about enlightenment by watching a Zen master pour a glass of tea and sip it than from all the books in China. I dedicate this song with love Up to the moon and stars above And to the sky that fits them like a glove Under the great unknown Sure ain't no place like home
that is Travis Shook with No Place Like Earth. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome, 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 welcome. Speaking of welcoming, we have a wonderful guest in the studio. First of all, I just want to say we're live today. It's very exciting. We haven't been live in a while. So I'm hoping there's some live listeners out there. And, uh, and if not, just know that we're feeling the electricity of aliveness here in the studio for you. So my guest today is someone who I just met, but someone who knew my mother and father for quite a long time. And it's just been a great pleasure to get to know her and, um, and we've had lunch together. And now we're going to have a great conversation today. So um, so my guest today is an actress and a writer. She's written for television. She's um, had a few infamous acting experiences, which we'll discuss. And now she's a novelist, which I know she's very excited about. I'm very excited for her. Um, welcome, Jennifer Edwards. Thank you, Kelly Harlan. <laughs> welcome to the very show. Much. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's funny because, you know, when I do research, you know, you go on the internet and you Google people and, um, I guess you've been pretty famous for this thing called Heidi Bowl yes. <laughs> since you were like 10 years old or something. Yes. <laughs> wow. I say that on my tombstone, it will read, she was a great moment in sports. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for you, uh, listeners out there, the Heidi Bowl what happened was, was Jennifer was a young, innocent child who was starred in the movie Heidi, which for a young girl is uh, the like plum role, you know, I mean, yeah. Shirley Temple had done it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And, and, uh, and so was this a specific TV for yes. TV? It was a TV. So it was an NBC production. So this is yeah. So basically, what was happening was there was this really uh, important football game on at the time. It was the Jets versus the Raiders. And I guess during this era, which was this 68, 69, 68, 68, during this era, which I know people in this day and age who follow football will laugh. The Jets and the Raiders were like really good teams back then. They were, as uh, but as today <laughs> they are they're not. Um, but uh, and this was like uh, Joe Namath time. Oh yeah, yeah. This was like big, big. And uh, I guess there was about a minute left in the game, and it was very exciting. I think they just they were going to either tie it up or they had tied it up or something. And there was moments, only moments left in this game. Well, they were in overtime. Oh, they, they were in overtime. They were in overtime, <laughs> and I think there was like or something like that, and and the the Jets were winning by something like thirteen points or uh -huh. something ridiculous, mm -hmm. and but NBC was given this absolute d doesn't matter what is going on at seven p.m. <laughs> Heidi must come on, uh, you know, yes. push the button, must start push now, and, live yes, go, and, boom, yeah, yep, uh -huh. and uh, in those three minutes left or something. <laughs> The, the Raiders came and scored and won the game. And nobody saw it. And nobody saw it. Except, you know, yeah. People who were there at yeah. the actual game. Yeah. yeah. And and here was this uh, darling girl in blonde braids. Yeah. Uh, Lederhosen. Yeah. I got a lot of hate mail at 10 years old. It was just, it was not pretty. Man. Seriously. God. Yeah, people really. So there were actually horrible hated hatred trolls even back horrible. then. They would just sit down and write a letter, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I, I I mean I got thank you notes from from the football wives and their kids, you know, 
who are looking forward to seeing this, you know, little right. girl in the mountain. Right. But, but yeah, it was it was rough. It was rough. I it, mean, there there were headlines literally saying the little brat in white stockings ruins football game. Like it was my fault. Right. Yes. Like you had anything exactly right to do with this. Yeah. Um, and did it really? Did it really affect you, or were you a person who could put it? Your parents put it into perspective for well, you. And- yeah. I mean, it did affect me in in some ways. I mean, I was growing up in in England at the time mm-hmm. in London, so I didn't even know that this had happened until like 24 hours later. Right. And, um, but when I started getting fan mail sent to me through NBC or whatever, it was really amazing that there were threats. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, being, you know, I was going to be hung by my pigtails. You know, it was, and it was strange. It was really strange. Yeah, very strange. Very strange. Think this is how grownups act. And, And still there are, I mean, Somebody called me like a year ago because the Raiders and the Jets were playing some game and said, turn on the TV. And somebody was in the stands with a sign that said, where's Heidi? I mean, it's it's one of those. Wow. This is 1968 and people still. Yeah. This is 40, almost 40 years ago. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. It is. It's over 40 years ago. Holy shit. Jesus. I won't mention that. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, so that was was that your first acting gig? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that I've was like welcome, anything. welcome to your career. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to a public life. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now go home. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it was the first time I'd wow. never done anything. I'd never, I'd never done a school play. I, I nothing. And now, did were you interested in doing this, or was this because your dad was in the business and you well, thought oh, I want to try this? Or no, it was a weird thing. I was actually visiting my dad. Um, it was one of my vacations, I guess, and I came out here, and he was shooting a movie called The Party mm. with Peter <sighs> Sellers at the time. Truly and, one of my favorite oh, movies. I I well, mean. of course. Yes. yes, of course. I know that. Um, and I was on the set, and um, I guess somebody had gotten in touch with my dad's uh PR guy mm-hmm. saying, who's the little blonde running around, and uh, found out that it was me right. his daughter and and uh they had been looking for Heidi some little girl to play Heidi right. and they'd been testing all these wow. girls and can she act does she act does she want to act right and my my dad came to me and said you know that this is a big deal it's Sir Michael Redgrave and mm. Delbert Mann's directing and are you interested and I said eh, okay yeah sure mm. so I did a, a screen test and um I had a a, a Irish red setter was my goat in the <laughs> in the screen test. I'd never done anything on camera before, right. other than home movies, sitting on a pony ride, you mm. know thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the next thing I knew, it was like a week later. My, I was in the swimming pool with my brother and my dad, and they were giggling about something. And and finally, I said, "What do you? What's going on?" And my dad said, "Well, you're off to Switzerland. You got the part." Wow. You know? And it was just bizarre. I mean, I literally was in like two weeks, I was off flying to Switzerland starring with these, <laughs> you know, major actors. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. And and did you get bit by the bug then? Oh, yeah. 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 That, that was, was it? That was it. <laughs> that was it. But the thing, the thing that happened was my parents, because offers were coming in left and right afterwards, mm-hmm. and wanting, you know, TV shows and series and all these things, and my parents... Um, just felt that they wanted me to get an education mm-hmm. and first so it was about it wasn't until I was 13 I went like three years not doing anything mm-hmm. which 
you know, killed me. Yeah. And, and that's all I wanted to be doing. I mean, I wanted to be doing schooling as well, but I really knew that I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And um, they said no. And then finally, um, because I just kicked and screamed, you know, loud mm. enough, mm -hmm. they said, okay. <laughs> and so then, you know, I started working pretty consistently mm -hmm. through my teens and mm. playing a lot of from Heidi to drug addicts and, you know, 13-year-old <laughs> prostitutes and whatever. But, you know, it was the 70s then. <laughs> yes, yes. So it was either uh, corny TV exactly. or independent films. Exactly, yes. <laughs> or, cor or, yeah, it was all of or, the above. And corny TV and corny films, too. Yes. There certainly were, Definitely. absolutely. Definitely. Yes. <clears throat> wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I just... It's funny, I, too... Uh, I don't know, I... I, I did a play when I was like fifth. No, wait, my mom got so I was 12 when I did Oliver. Yeah, I was oh, 11 or 12. Right. And we did Oliver up at St. Matthew's. What did you day play? camp? I was just in the chorus. Okay. Um, but it's mostly boys. <laughs> it is but they let us girls be in the chorus. And I didn't get to be in Fagan's game. I didn't I wasn't mm. that good. My friend Amanda got to be in Fagan's oh. game. And I was like, I always wanted to play Nancy. I was oh, well, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Always. I mean, that's that's the great. Yeah, that's the great part for a woman. Uh, you know, the abuse victim. Um. Yeah. <laughs> We all want to do that, at least once I mean, in our lives. When you watch it now, you're like, oh, my God, so much codependence in totally, that. Totally, totally. <laughs> That's so true. And she loved him through everything. <laughs> everything. She loved him, this man, this... Through the black eye. Violent man, no, no matter what. Uh, but I, I got bit by the bug, too. You know, just being on yeah. stage and getting, hearing an audio, it's just, it's, it's a crazy thing. But I didn't pursue it at all. It was too scary for me. I, auditioning mm. was a... I couldn't oh. even imagine like that. In my 20s, I tried to do it. But even then, it was like I had such horrible stage fright and mm. and so much anxiety around it that it was, it Not was, it. no, it just wasn't worth it. And, I, and you know, and I, I wish I wish I'd done more because I really wanted to get into sketch comedy, but never, never did it. Um, <clears throat> so you, you, you did some acting and then you start, you, you started writing at some point, you well, I've always I've always written. I have mean, you? Whether it was just diaries, mm -hmm, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I have. I've always written. I've written songs and I've written poetry. Mm. And, um, I started, I guess, writing screenplays um, probably in the eighties, mm. and um, t you know, and and um, treatments and and that kind of thing, which is yeah what we were talking about. I you know I wrote the the treatment for Justin Case, which. Um, I thought I thought I was going to star in it too, but you know, oh well. <laughs> At Damn. Least, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it just seemed second nature to me. Mm -hmm. So, so everyone out there, so you know, just in case, was a t a Disney TV movie that my dad starred in. He played a. He dead Justin he, Case. He played Justin Case, who was a ghost, who was a detective, mm -hmm. and. Um, he helped uh, a young lady solve crimes, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, was it a pilot? Were they going to supposed to be? A yeah, pilot. It was supposed to be yeah. a pilot. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so my I don't know if I shared with you this, but my experience was so I was in my mid twenties at that time, and um, this was one of my dad's like first kind of acting mm -hmm. things at that time, and um, <clears throat> I was in a bad marriage and had tried to do a little acting, and the auditioning stuff was not working for me, and. You know, I'd go out for auditions and there'd be all these 
bimbo types in the room and I'm not a, no. I didn't know I was a character actress <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what that was uh-huh. I didn't know I was a comedic character mm-hmm. I so I just was like oh okay I'll just go out and do that and I walk into these rooms like why am I here with these girls I don't want to wear a bathing suit you know um so I had a little bit of a, a attitude and a chip you know I just I felt rejected or something and so I just remember what was the young lady who starred in the Molly Hagen Molly Hagen so I remember coming on the set I was very excited I was very excited to meet your dad by the way Jennifer's dad is Blake Edwards and because I my dad had taken me to Pink Panther and I knew who he was and I knew he was uh, you know worked with Peter Sellers and all of that so I was very excited to meet him and so I was hanging out with Molly because she was around my age Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um and I was kind of sharing with her my own Hollywood experience, you know, how I was just, oh, you know, it's just, it's such bullshit and women are just used as objects and all, just all this. I just, I don't know, I went on and on. And, and Molly looked at me and she goes, God, you sound really bitter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't think I sounded bitter. I thought I sounded like a righteous woman, you know. Yeah, liberated. Uh, yeah, liberated, righteous woman who never would sell out to the man. Right. And, uh, of course, also would never work because (laughs) (laughs) I would never show up anywhere. And Molly said that to me. And I just remember walking away thinking, yeah, she's probably right. I need to work on that. Mm -hmm. But um, and I was jealous. I was jealous. This young 20 something girl got to be with my dad and act with him and stuff. I mean, a part of me really wanted that life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted that part. Yeah, and you actually, <laughs> actually wanted that. wrote the part for me. But and it was but I'm, That's a real pisser. I know. But I Molly Molly and I became incredibly great friends and she was fabulous. Yeah, I mean, she, she was and she was very right for the part. Yeah. But that was that was a tough one too because yeah. you know, she she sort of had a a TV queue mm-hmm. at, at those at that time and I didn't and right. I really had to kind of let it go. And, um, you know, but once again, I mean, that's, you know, talk about rejection in, 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 a, in a way. You know, yeah. You write something and Disney says, oh, I love it. This is great and perfect writing. And, you know, we, we want to make this into a TV show and a TV series and blah, blah, blah. But you're actually not going to do it. <laughs> you're not yeah. going to write the show. <sighs> you're not going to star in the show. But we will, you know, give you credit. And, um and you know you just you have to you have to let it go and you can't be bitter you know yeah and you have to learn that it's not really personal no yeah no. which is i had no idea how to do at that age no. i i i you know everything was personal i was sure. one of those moody very moody girls and uh didn't didn't have a thick enough skin you have to have a real thick skin yeah, you, do. you, you do. really really mm-hmm. do absolutely yeah. um have you directed no, uh, interestingly, somebody just asked me if I was interested in that, and I, I hadn't really thought about it until until recently, and 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 I think I would like to mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Do you think that was a conscious shying away from it because your dad was a director? Well, no. You know, my dad really thought of himself more as a writer than a director. Did he though, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Like on his passport, he, it would say writer, it would say writer, not director. Yeah, and. And, and however, he always directed what he wrote. Yes, which, yes. But he always considered himself a writer first. And um, but my brother is a director. My brother's directed some really nice pieces. And 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 I think I think it was more that I didn't want to tread on his mm, territory. I see. Um, yeah. You know, he my my younger brother. We we always seem to, I always seem to be sort of better at things. <laughs> 
than he was <laughs> at, at, at times, you right, know. Right, right. You know, when I wanted to play the drums, you know, he, he said he wanted to play the drums, so I didn't play the drums uh, because, I, you know, there was all, that kind of thing. Oh, so I think I just sister. didn't. I was. I oh. was. When I, except when I tried to kill him when he was eight months old. But <laughs> Well, yeah, well, there's yeah, that. The pillow over the head. Come on. It wasn't really that <laughs> no, serious. Oh, no. You didn't really mean no, it. No. <laughs> uh-uh. Um, but, no, but I think. It, it. I just sort of shoved that part of it out mm. of my head because of of, of him. And, mm. um, but I don't think. I mean, it's certainly not. A, we're, we're we're grown ups now. Yes, <laughs> we don't we don't fight about things like that anymore. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, I I think at some point I'd certainly like to stick my big toe in that. Yeah, little you know stream. Did you always feel permission to be a creative person oh, and, yeah. and pursue that? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. your parents really got yeah. that. Yeah. Definitely. And and how old were you when your parents divorced? Seven. You, so you were yeah, you were seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well they split up there I mean yeah. That's yeah. when they it was complicated. It was, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. oh my goodness. Yes. So complicated that my mother took me, you know, I literally into another country. You that's, that's when you went to England. Yeah. Oh yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And how long did you live there? Until I was 16. Wow. So all my sort of formidable years and and most of my education, important education, was was in England. Do you miss it? Do you ever go back? I haven't been back in quite quite a long time. And the last time I was back, there were moments of real nostalgia and, and, but it's changed so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was there, you know, Carnaby Street. I know, Carnaby Street, yeah. You know, and, and... you know, Apple Records and I mean the you Beatles. Know, the Beatles. They were and, something. Yeah. yeah. Joe Cocker and I were always running into each other at at, at, a, <laughs> at a store. You know, I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was really quite a a time to be there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, very it's different scene now. now. Yeah. 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 London is very different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We we go to the UK almost every year. We go to Scotland though. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just oh, I know I so, saw the pictures. So gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. It's so gorgeous there. I know. The green is there's nothing like that green. No. No. But but then you have you have to deal with rain. The rain which makes the green. 50 days <laughs> yes. out of the year. You get the green from the rain. Right. This is how it happens. Exactly. It is it is yeah. It's like Seattle and Portland. Like I would so live there in a second yeah. if it wasn't gray 250 days yeah. a year or and something. Damp. And damp. Yeah. This this is very true. Right. So you came back to LA at age 16. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that was an interesting time to even be 16 in LA. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. How fun. And I was still, I mean, and I didn't, I didn't want to come back, but I was, I, I was actually working quite mm. frequently as an actress, but I was working here. Uh huh. Yeah. And it was, uh, and, and my brother um, ended up coming back here when he was about nine and living with my my dad and my stepmother and so he was schooling here and I was schooling there wow so my mother said look I want to be close to Jeff my my brother right. and and I for for a while it, we considered me just staying in England mm. but I I got a movie of the week and I got uh, another you know American Film Institute job and mm-hmm. a, a bunch of things that you know, I, I started thinking, well, if, if I'm going to be an actress, I better be in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I did come back and 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 was working pretty consistently. And, and for you folks out there, movie of the week, it was... <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I, you can Google it. Yes, right. You youngsters, <laughs> you whippersnappers. And in fact, I think I did the first official movie of the week. I, I think. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, it was called Go Ask Alice. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. And I think that was the first, you know, ABC movie of the week. Wow. Sort of launched it. Fantastic. Yeah. God, yeah. the good old days. My neighbors are screaming. I, I can know. hear them in the background. Let me close the door here. Hold Maybe on. Maybe we folks. need to call 911. <laughs> no, no, no. They're just screaming. Okay. And we have a helicopter. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're coming to get them. Mm. Live radio, people. It's live. It's live here. So, um... So, uh... I have to ask this because I uh, because I wish I was there. But did you get to be on the set of any of the Pink Panther films? Oh yeah, oh sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, um, Peter Sellers's kids were were you know my my dearest friends. In fact, Michael, his son, uh-huh. was my first sort of serious boyfriend. Oh wow, when I was fifteen. Oh. Yeah. So sure, we were all we all hung out. I know Victoria peripherally. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was part of my. I used to babysit Victoria. Right, she was part of my yeah. uh, party crew. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in my oh. high school days. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a little on the edge there. I never really hung hung with her, but in some places, some parties yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's great. She's yeah. in a good place. She is in a good place. Some of us made it through. Mm-hmm. Some of us yeah. didn't, but some of us did. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, what was that like to be? So, how did your dad? work with people on the set was he a person who had a vision and had an idea or was there improvisation I mean was well there was sort of all of the above I mean the thing you know because my dad directed most of what he'd already written so mm. he, he he already had a concept going in of how he was how it should look and how it should yeah, work right uh, yeah yeah, and, and especially the comedy exactly yeah and people you know the film crews loved working with him because because he had a vision going in mm-hmm. it was very you know he would only work you know a 10 hour day for instance right. or um you know the the night before you know when he'd wrap he already would have the next day's setup mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he knew exactly where the camera was going to go he knew you know how he was going to shoot they it do love and, that yeah <laughs> that's a yeah. that's a good director exactly. to work for yeah and you know and he and sellers had they sort of had this in the beginning it became much more complicated over the years um um but he, they had this kind of telepathy mm. where my dad would give sellers you know a bit to do and or and and he and sellers would just you know riff right. a lot of times right right you know there's a, there's a a funny outtake of um outtakes where um sellers is dressed like as the godfather and and his minions they all get into an elevator and my dad decided at the last minute that that they should something should happen but Anyway, he, my dad had a fart machine, <laughs> right. a thing in his hand. Yes. So before the take, he made this, brrr, you know, noise. Right. And you, you see all the guys in the elevator looking at one another. And, and of course, they did like 25 takes because, you know, nobody could keep a straight face, especially sellers. Oh, my God, you know? how fun. But he would do things like that to just get to see what would happen, you know, with these crazy actors and, and create some uh a moment of something yes yeah, yeah. yeah. oh how fun yeah how absolutely fun uh one of my fondest memories is um <clears throat> with my dad he took me to 
see Revenge of the Pink Panther in the theater. Mm. And it was like a middle, I don't know, middle. There was a lot of people in the theater, I don't recall. But anyway, I remember the scene where... Um, I know what you mean. Clouseau goes up to the castle to pull the tooth. He becomes the dentist right. to pull the tooth and the laughing gas scene and his face melting. Right. And I just, I'd only seen it a few times, but my dad was laughing so hard. He was weeping. Mm-hmm. And it was such an amazing moment, which I'm sure is like for you too, because mm-hmm. when you have a dad whose job it is to make the world laugh right. and they are themselves torn apart by someone else's comedic genius. Yeah. It's just this beautiful moment. There's something so special about it. And and you know also to you're paying attention because it's like if this is making him laugh, then this right. really must be genius. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Yeah, so it's it's so cool. I you know, it's I I'm so glad that my dad and your dad got to not only work together, but they became friends. Oh, yeah. And they, yeah, your parents were at the house a lot for dinners. And, yeah, which yeah. was completely out of character for my father. I know. He never did anything like that. No, I know. For my mother to get my dad out of the house to go to dinner was a miracle and a half. Uh, but uh, he he really enjoyed uh, your dad and Julie's uh company obviously and i just i just love that i thought okay that's good my dad's got something sort of normal mm-hmm. going on in yeah. his life yeah he can be a normal guy who goes to a dinner party good for him yeah because he was such a loner such a such a workaholic um so that's why i when you and i finally connected it was like oh good i get I to cut you know it's like i feel like you're part of the family exactly you know well yeah of course it's, it's very very cool um so and it was funny too because you and I had lunch. I don't know what was that like almost a year ago. Yeah. I guess it was, yeah. and um, and then you said you'd written a novel, and I was like, oh my! And I, you know, I've written a book too, and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. We're yeah. writing books and stuff, and I have to tell you, it was so fabulous. I was re- I was you sent me this electronic you know PDF so I could read it ahead of time, and I got to the first scene. By the way, her name of her book is called When Angels Cry. And I got to I had no idea what the book was about. And I get to the first scene where there's like sex in it. And I'm like, oh, shit, what, what, what is what's going on here? This is this one of those books? Like, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I'm picturing like, and this is Jennifer writing this. (laughs) And so at first, I was in a bit of a panic. I was like, oh, shit, because I don't really read books like this. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't I'm not against them, certainly. But I don't really I mean, maybe my 20s, I did or whatever. So I was a little worried. And then I and I and I kept reading and kept and I literally the other night. So I'd read I read about 25 pages to start with. And then I got busy and crazy and everything like that. And I put it down. And then the other night I'm like, I, I need to finish reading the book. So I sat down from page one again. I read the entire book in one day. I could mm. not fucking put it down. I have good. to tell you, it's so good. Oh, thank it you. It really is so good. And and it was just what's so beautiful about it is that. A, you write really good sex scenes, which is <laughs> we will talk about more. Okay. But um, but that it's way beyond that. It's not one of those books. It's such right. a beautiful book about mm. love and family and forgiveness and yeah, oy, the complications of getting older. Mm-hmm. And it's really you've delved into something as a middle aged woman myself that it's like. Oh, yeah. thank you for writing all of it. Oh, I mean, thank you. Really? No, thank you. I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, when I set out to write a book, you know, it was one of those things where I thought, 
oh, I wonder what it would feel like to write a book, mm-hmm. you know. And then I thought, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see, you know, if I can do that. Um, then it became one of those things of, okay, now what kind of book do I want to write? Um, and then I realized, well, what kind of book do I want to read? Mm. If I was on vacation sitting by a pool or whatever, I, you know, I don't want to be hit over the head with stuff. I don't want right. to, you know, s- solve a murder right. or, or anything. I want to be entertained. I want to. I want to have some sort of feeling of empathy and and um, uh, you know and and maybe laugh a little and mm-hmm. cry a little and mm-hmm. and be titillated all in the same breath. You know, and so that's sort of how it was born. Well, you know? and like you know, hats off to be, have that vision and then to really put it on the page. Right. I mean, that's yeah. As you know, yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> well, it was, and and you know, as when you were talking about the sex scenes, uh, you know, when I decided that my character, the lead character, would be a romance novelist, mm-hmm. that that's what she does. Right. She writes erotica. I thought, oh, well, that's you know, that'll be easy, and whatever. Right. It was not easy, <laughs> and I would find myself actually getting kind of red in the face. At I'm times. sure. Yeah, I was actually blushing and thinking, oh my god, <laughs> people are going to read this. Hopefully the nuns that took care of my mother before she died isn't, aren't going to read this because there's angels in the title and they know me, you know. And then, oh, but if they do, they will get a little titillated. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Um, Did you have to read some romance novels to kind of get the lingo and the... No. No. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I think in my 20s, I, you know, I read Harold Robbins. Right, exactly. Jackie Collins. Yep, and, yep. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but no, I just... You know, I just kind of knew that a lot of them are sort of cheesy and and and, and that kind of thing. Yes. So that made it easier to, especially the scenes, you know, that are are from her novels, not her experiences. Right. Right. You right. Know, where, yeah. Where you know you can kind of do sort of tongue in cheek, no pun intended. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. kind of. I mean, like one of the titles of her books is Tequila Sunrise <laughs> Nights. Right. You know. Yes. I mean, totally. On, love and lust at midnight. <laughs> You know, and it's fun to come up with those kind of things. But trying to find, you know, the right description for <laughs> for a part of an anatomy that isn't, you know... Isn't just throbbing member. Exactly. And how many times can you say throbbing member? Right. So, you know, you don't His want His love to, meat. Uh, right, no, no, it just doesn't really come no, across. Big red. No. Doesn't work. Schlong. No. Doesn't it's, have enough romance. No. 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 Yeah. So and that's hard. I mean, yeah. I actually find, would find myself giggling at times, thinking, "Okay, I, you know, that's you can't fun. say penis. No, you know, too clinical. Yeah, yeah. And how many times can you say pussy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. Unless now you're referring to the cat, right, sitting by the fire. <laughs> yeah. So it was. I mean, it was a challenge. And and you know, I, I one friend of mine who read a very early, you know, a draft, and when it when it was published she said now everybody's gonna know what a dirty little girl you really are (laughs) it's like well I'm not really I just you know I mean I I just I wanted I wanted also I wanted it to be emancipating yeah there's so many women that that are our age that are feeling you know going through the changes and all of that and feeling like maybe it's over yep you know and uh you know they're not feeling as sexual and you know uh, uh, their bodies are changing and all of those things and it and it doesn't have to be that way yeah and I, and i and i i want to say that it is true that reading it for me i mean it it is titillating and it was like 
Oh, yeah. I mean, because I'm 51 now, and I'm going through the changes. Yeah. And, and you do, you start to have these conversations with yourself, like, well, my libido, I'm not quite sure where it is anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, exactly. It's stuck somewhere. <laughs> On a field trip, and it hasn't come home yet. it's on that comet. (laughs) It's on that comet with that little thing. And, uh, and yeah, and you do, you start to think, uh, yeah, I mean, and you and I are both in relationships, so we're lucky that way. But even even being in relationships, you're like, well, is the libido, you know, and his libido and mine and, but single, I can't even imagine being single in my age and like having to figure that out and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. But, and so, yes, it did, it, you, it does give a woman of a certain age like oh yeah that's right i still have a fucking body and it still works and right. i still have desire and exactly. i still know how to have an orgasm right. it hasn't broken yet damn it right. exactly <laughs> and 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 not to feel guilty about it yes yes you know that, yes. that just because you know maybe our bodies don't you know doesn't we don't look like we did in our 20s right. or whatever right it it still doesn't mean that men aren't going to find us attractive and and exactly and uh, you know what we should be even more emancipated because we don't have to worry about making babies Mm -hmm. or getting pregnant anymore like it's it is purely for pleasure and we know we know so much more about our body yes completely we know how it all works and and what what we we like yes (laughs) right at 20 you know for me anyway totally (laughs) but i was also so codependent it was all about yes the person i was with and i was out of my body yes for most of my 20s i don't think i landed in my body until probably age 40 even so it's like yeah it's like body what body oh that thing yeah. down there yes that yeah. thing i'm floating above oh mm-hmm. right right i think it wants something but god forbid i ask for it well there you go yeah, yeah. because i was you know the codependent thing yeah. i can relate yes yeah. yeah so yeah so so yeah i i get that it was like and i was like and i was like yeah good for you jennifer because not only is it got the titillation part but then it's got all this there's like real emotional depth in this book i mean it's really you know the relationship with the the mother Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all yeah. of us women out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever your relationship with your mother is, no matter what, I'm guessing it's complicated. Yeah. And so it was really touching to watch and get to witness this dance. Mm-hmm. Um, because your character brings all of her baggage. Literally. <laughs> Literally. To me baggage. Yeah. <laughs> to her mother's house. Yeah. And deals with her, all her mother's baggage. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and what I thought you did really so beautifully was sit with the reality that our parents, we have an idea and a story in our head of who our parents are, and that's not all of who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, that's emancipating too, because when you realize they are autonomous adults, that mm-hmm. they aren't just the mom or the dad. Mm-hmm. There's something that frees us as daughters definitely. or sons up yeah, from definitely. things. So, did you have? Did you tap into your own relationship with your mother to to deal with this and to to work on this? Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it is based um, on my relationship with my my real mother. I mean, <clears throat> she she was a very complicated lady. We had we had a wonderful um, relationship from probably in my late 20s on, but growing up, it was um, when my parents split up, um, my mother, and I 
I put some of it in the book because you write what you know. Yep. Um, my real mother had tried to kill herself um, mm. umpteen different mm. times. I mean, mm. I knew how to stick my fingers down her throat when wow. I was seven. Wow. And um, so it was, a, you know, I, I didn't really have much of a parent. A mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were the mother. Growing up. Parentified. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was about 19 where I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And, you know, if this is really what you want, I mean, because I literally kept saving her. Wow. And um, uh, and I, I swore I was not going to, you know, uh, do it anymore. And she stopped. And hmm. it's something, I don't know, something clicked with her. And, um, and she became this really um, incredibly independent, strong, um, I think she surprised herself mm-hmm. in who she kind of ended up being. And, um, and we, it was, you know, I, I, I think when I finally was about 30 years old or something, and I realized that she really wasn't, you know, doing that to me. Uh-huh. That you know, yeah. I, I I understood that the pain was so deep mm-hmm. that she was just trying to you know stop the pain. Yes, and it wasn't you know she didn't mean it wasn't to, against you, right? Yeah. Right. Um, mm. Then I started being able to empathize with her as as two women, you know, and yeah. we we were very very close. She mm. she died last year, and mm. and interestingly enough, she was ill for quite a while and fought death mm. so in her you know interesting in yeah her later life she in was the like, end i'm not going <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah i'm here damn it yeah yeah so she 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 was quite a, a great great woman ultimately mm. and did you finish did you were you in the middle of writing this book when she died or? no i'd finished already you had finished mm-hmm. oh wow interesting yeah. Well, what was really interesting is when mm. I started writing the book, both my parents were still alive. Wow. And, and Sarah, my character's um, dad, is already passed mm-hmm. in this book, and and uh, the mother's still alive. And there are several uh, scenarios that, that I wrote about that actually ended up happening. happening. Wow. You know, like when my father was in the hospital mm. and mm. how Sarah's dad was in the hospital. Mm. But I had already written it. Wow. You know, so it was... Yeah, kind of. So, strange. how long has this journey been writing this book for you? Uh, well, from where we are now, it's been about four years. Wow. Yeah, took me about a little over a year to write it, uh-huh. and then uh, about six months to edit mm. um, with my editor, and then. Um, and how much did it change during that editing process? It didn't really. Um, the The thing that my editor was great about because she she was very supportive of it right from the beginning was. Just to, um, she helped me structurally. I, I'd only written screenplays before, so I didn't even know, you know, I wrote it in final draft. <laughs> I swear. I wrote my book in final draft. And, Exterior. You know, right. Well, not, not quite right, like right, script right, form, but, right. you know, and she was like, no, we need to put it in Microsoft Word, and, you know, and this needs to be a paragraph here, and this, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, I literally had to learn how to... Right. to write a book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and she would say, you know, I want I want more here. I want to know more about So drill this. down here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um uh you know, uh, let's let's examine, you know, she didn't really like make comments 
per se about, you know, wanting to change things or whatever. Mm -hmm. She would say, how do you feel about, I want as a reader to see this. I want to, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to know more about this specific incident. Right, right. And so it was great. It was really, she was very, very supportive. And did you have the plot worked out? Did you have an outline before? Or did you sit down and these people just started? I knew where, I knew literally how I wanted it to to start and I knew how I wanted it to end. Okay. I didn't really know what was going to happen in the middle. Mm. And I knew, you know, basically who who Sarah O'Malley was. Right. I, I really kind of felt her from, mm. from the get-go. And is she, how much of you is her and how much is... Not, not a lot. Mm. I mean, I would say, you know, I mean... Certain experiences and certain flashbacks are, uh-huh. are certainly things that come from my life and and whatever. But, but who, uh, maybe fifty fifty. Let's let's you know. Uh huh. So there's a, so she's she's an, so she's an aut- autonomous character. But but like you said, you pulled from your life for uh, an experience maybe that she would have, and then you contextualize it into her life. Right. And right. But she's got a life of her own and, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. her own desires and her own intentions yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Did you ever find a spot where she was off uh, wanting to do something as a character and you're like, wait a minute, where are you going? Why are you doing that? Uh, no, actually, that's that's funny. I don't think I did. I, I no, I don't think I did. I mean, there were times certainly in in um, um, her uh, experiences with with um, like her friend Marie, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really know how, where that was going to go in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it, I, it, now that I think about it, it did, it did occur to me at one point that when Marie kind of comes out, right, that I had, that was not planned at all. Wow. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know, that, yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, what's going on here? Right, right. <laughs> Who's yeah. steering the ship here? Yeah. That's great. Um, and so you, so you had a publisher for right away. No, or? no, 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 no. no. <laughs> and, and, every, and you know, and and the, sort of the, I had so many naysayers, you know, who who would say, you know, you think you'll, you're never going to find a publisher. I mean, right. The publishing world is so it's different. dying. It's yes, dying. Yeah. You're never going to. You're going to have to self-publish, and mm-hmm. that's you know, you're never going to see a dime, and you know, and um, but I, you know, I have this incredible agent, um, Peter Riva who, you know, just said, "Mm -mm, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving up. And what happened was, you know, as I was in the editing process, my my sister who writes um, children's novels, she lives in in New York, and she came to me at one point, she said, have you heard of this this book that's going to come out called Fifty Shades of Grey? I said, no, what is that? And she said, well, I don't know. But, you know, there's a buzz going on that it's, you know, erotica and whatever. And, you know, you might want to check it out. And I asked my agent about it. He said, I haven't heard about it. And and, <laughs> and next and thing the, you know. Right. And my editor said, I haven't heard anything about it. Wow. Um, but I knew that I was going to be somewhat compared. Uh-huh. And that com- took off so rampantly. Yes. That a lot of publishing companies kind of shied away they you know they weren't interesting they felt that you know maybe mine wouldn't you know would just kind of be um buried right and um so it took it took a while so there had some space had Mm -hmm. to be created Mm -hmm. between that and this yeah because they're totally different books yeah that's the you know the 
irony of it is this, you know, they they really are. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, people are, it's just like the people in Hollywood too. Right. Nobody knows what they're doing. No. <laughs> they all act like, well, this is going to da 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 da. And they're like, really? You don't know what the hell you're saying. Nobody predicts anything. Right. <laughs> right. And when you do, it's usually going to be, com- you know, completely the opposite to what. You know, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, this is going to be the biggest blockbuster of all time. Yeah. And, just you know, don't listen. Tanks. To, I don't listen to anything. <laughs> no. I just, no. you can't. You, you have to learn to just go, oh, that's nice. That's, it's fascinating. Yeah. You know, people buzz in my ear about my my book next year and i'm like you know what i've gotten to write my book yeah it's amazing anything else is icing on the cake this has just been an incredible experience and i've i'm done with this story that i've been wanting to tell for 15 years and whatever else is fine you know if i get to go on the today show groovy yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Whatever. Well, you know, I'm I'm really proud of you for doing it too. Oh, I have thank to you. say, you know, because you. it's you know, it's very cathartic. As it well. really is. I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not ready to write mine. Yeah. Yet it takes time. Yeah. It does. And it's and it's you know it's difficult. It is. It's. Uh, you have to relive so much. You do. You do. And. Uh, yeah, and it, it is. It's an interesting place to now be on the other side of it. So, mm-hmm. but that whole idea of. I don't know how long it took you. I mean, it's still sinking in for me that I've I wrote three hundred pages of something. Yeah, like wow. it's just amazing. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of words on paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, what is your writing process like? Did you write every day for five hours? Did you have a certain schedule tried, for yourself? I tried to. I tried to just make time every day to write, mm-hmm. and even if it was literally just like two lines. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, there were times where, where it, it, I, I went through a period of maybe about three months where nothing came. Mm. I, I was, I was dealing with my mother at mm-hmm. that time, ironically, who was, you know, starting to become ill. And, mm-hmm. and um, it was, yeah, I just couldn't, nothing, nothing was coming. Yeah. I mean, I'm writing another one as we speak and I have, I'm stuck. I'm stuck at, at Disneyland. Are you, are you st- literally? Your <laughs> character stuck at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> She's Quick, get st- on a ride. <laughs> yeah, no, I highly recommend uh, Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's five. That's oh, the thing. And she's lost. It's, oh, yeah. Oh. So yeah. Oh, now is this a book? Any this new book? Anything like this, or is it a whole new direction? Well, it's it's a totally different character. It's um, uh, but yeah, there's it's it's got some you know erotica in it as well, and uh, you know some I mean, sexy it, things. What's but. so great is it's you know it really is the perfect book, like you said. It's like the by the pool, but it's like it's it's not it's not what you would call like vacuous reading. It's like. It's got the lightness and the playfulness. It's it's a page turner, mm-hmm. but it's like also you're like, oh, these are real people dealing with real things, right? You know. So right. and, and so when I put it down, I was like, I hope you're writing again. I hope she's writing Aww. more, really, Thank because it was you. like I really like your voice. I really, and you're funny as hell. I mean, you really are. <laughs> Thank you. And it really comes through, and that's yeah. a beautiful thing to yeah. say. Well, that's I'm I'm so glad you said that because that's really what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, you. Yeah, you know. And a, a couple of people have actually said, you know, is there going to be a sequel? And I never even thought about that. I have no, it doesn't even, I have no idea. She's a great character. Yeah. She is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel complete with her? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So that's why it didn't even occur to me that there would be a sequel. Necessarily. So your new protagonist is she five? Is that no? She's it's not. It's a flashback. Oh, okay, it's yeah. a flashback. Okay. Yeah. No. And it, so is your new protagonist a woman of a certain age? Yes. Nice. She's also yeah. She's also in her mid forties, and that's great. Yeah, it's sort of an Alice doesn't live here anymore kind oh, of okay thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I've got a little something that it's been haunting me for. <clears throat> It's so funny. I think I started writing it, God, before grad school. So it would be in the late 90s when I started. When did I start writing? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, it was way before grad school. Um, and the openings, it was a screenplay I was writing. Mm. And the opening scene is um, a woman, she's married to a very, very, very successful Hollywood producer. And she's been in his shadow her entire marriage. She was, um, you know, a trophy wife. Mm -hmm. And she wakes up on her 50th birthday and she's devastated because she gave up her art, which was painting uh, decades ago. And she's never done anything but hold dinner parties mm -hmm. and look great on his arm. And now she's 50. Mm -hmm. And she feels her life is over. And, uh, and I too got stuck in the middle of it. I got her s stuck uh, on a road trip. And I thought, I don't know where she's going. And I realized oh. I had to put it down yeah. to live my life a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then I realized the other day, I was thinking about picking it back up. And I Do was it. like, Oh, I'm 51. I could uh -huh. really write this now. Like, yeah. so I think I need to, uh, I think I need to finish this. Yeah, book, it sounds like it. This, this screenplay. And, and maybe it should be a novel. I don't know. But well, that's the thing. That's, yeah, for me that because this one that I'm doing now, I thought about doing it as a screenplay. And then I thought, because my my character too, is sort of on this road trip too, mm -hmm. um, leading somewhere specific, but um, and leaving her whole life behind, I mean, mm -hmm. changing identity and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, but it's, it's, I, I I think I'm going to continue as, as as a novel. Yeah, I now. mean, I was going to say, you mm -hmm. know, the screenplay. I've written some. I I know what that genre is like. You do too. And there's um, there's a, a simplicity to writing. It's this very visual medium. Obviously, mm -hmm. so you're writing for the visual medium. But in order to then do anything with it, you need to get millions of dollars, oh, or, yeah. or or at least a million, and a lot of other people involved. Mm -hmm. And the thing about a book is that it's just you and you get to control it all. Right. And you're now a published author. So it's right. like there's a, you know, there's yeah. always like, what's the could, next one? Well, and and who knows? I mean, your novel can become a movie. It, well, this is true. <laughs> and this is very so, true. I mean, Absolutely. That, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. That's the, you know, yeah. would be the ultimate. That would be the ultimate. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I could, I, you know, people have asked me about, about When Angels Cry and I, and I can totally see it. I mean, because you and I are visual people too mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I when I was writing it, I when I was writing certain parts, I could totally see how it could be shot. Yep. I did think about it in terms of, okay, it's really only one location. <laughs> right, it's so true. It's, it's got, not low, a big but we can budget. go low budget. Yeah. We, we, we need to do that other thing over there. Right. That's fine. But this is basically is like, yeah. one house. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of other locations, right. yeah. you know. And Mexico. That's and close. Yeah. It's close. It's close by and we can really fake right. Mexico, right. really. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona. We're always faking Mexico and Arizona. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, so I did have I did have that vision. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's um, I don't 
don't know what it is. I was I was actually talking to my therapist about you in your oh, book. <laughs> really? Were yes. you laying down? No, we don't lay down. Okay. We know it's not that kind of thing. It's, okay, it's no. Jungian therapy. Oh, We're not okay. Freudian, okay. so we get to sit up. Well, I, I never, yeah, good. <laughs> And am I Freudian? I don't think I laid down. But yeah, I don't. I no. never went to that. No. Uh, but I um, and I'm not giving anything away, but the ending or anything like that. But there's um, and you, you we kind of used the word before the the emancipation mm-hmm. energy and theme in this book, uh, and and the thing about um being uh being a, a woman who both of our parents are gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, your stepmom's still here. Mm -hmm. So I know and I know she's a big part of your life. But Mm -hmm. what has it been like for you? Since your mom died a year ago? Have you do you feel you feel an orphan? Do you think about that? Do you? Yeah, uh, yeah, that I mean, I, it was very difficult to lose my dad, because we were very, very in tuned and close Mm -hmm. and all of that. But um and I always thought it would would have losing him was going to be the hard mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. because I'd always sort of prepared my whole life for to your mother, lose my mother. My God, yes. You know, there were so many times that I was told, you know, she's not going to make it or right. whatever. And um, uh, so I sort of thought I was kind of prepared for that one, right? And I really wasn't. Mm. It it's it, there are there are, the other day I was driving on PCH and. Um, it was early in the morning, and that would have been the time that I would have called her in the morning. Yeah. And there was just this, this this split second of thinking, "Oh, I'm going to call my mom," yeah. and realizing that she was gone. And I just lost it. Yeah. I just absolutely sobbed. Yeah, that the realization that she was gone. Yeah. And um, mm. yeah, I mean, I I really processed my dad mm-hmm. when he died very quickly. Mm. I mean, I had, you know, crying, screaming, mm. you know, things going on. And uh, for the like the first week in my car, like kicking and mm-hmm. screaming and, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it was really unexpected yeah. w- with him. And, and um, so I think I processed it pretty fast. I, I miss him and I miss his humor and I miss, you know, all of that. But it's it was harder with my my mom, yeah. which it probably was for you too. Yeah, I, yeah. Think. I think I, I girls think, and their moms. I think so. Yeah. I, I think that because they are the that model of us, they're you know they're the one ahead of us, and yeah. they are the female. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was I, I too. I mean, that is when it would hit me was my mom when I would because I picked up the phone three or four times a day to just chat with my mom. And yeah, boy, that was you know, and I, I. The first few months, I would just pick up the phone and have the conversation anyway. Mm. I was That's like, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I need, I need to talk to someone about my mother dying, and she's really the only one I can talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. And I and, and I could hear exactly what she would say back to me. Mm-hmm. I just knew it, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd realized, oh, she's still here in her own way. She's just living in there now, you know. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, God, seventeen years. Since wow. My mom died. Wow, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, mind-boggling. Yeah. She was such a force. She was such a force. Yeah, and um, and then six years for my dad, and even now, I mean, it's I feel like I'm just after these six years, something about it's just um, it's f- finally over. 
like the, mm. I don't know. Mm. I think it's having to do with writing, finishing this book. Probably. I think getting, knowing that I still had to write this story and that I did want to do it in a, in a book form, although I've been doing my solo show, but um, mm. it's like now I feel like I'm, I don't know, that I'm released of it all. And yet I'm also that I have some very private relationship back with my parents. Mm, interesting. It's, yeah, it's been really uh, unexpected on, on so many levels. So, But it's hard. I mean, it must be hard for you to, uh, because I know, um, you know, when especially when you lose a loved one who was sort of well known, I mean, that, that that's a, a hard, mm-hmm. you're grieving with so many other people, yes. too. And it's yeah. a very strange, you know, process. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I, even for me, if, if I hear your dad's voice, you know, I get very, you know, yeah. choked up at times because, you know, I, I, lo- I loved your dad so much. And yeah. he was just such an amazing, you know, just he, he just had such a sweet, sweet heart. He know? did. He did. And um, and every time I hear like Moon River, you mm. know, which is from one of my dad's movies, yes. I, I lose it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so it's not just. And it is kind of. It is weird, the grieving thing with the public, because there's strangers grieving yeah. over this person also. And it's so you don't really know where your grief is and mm-hmm. how it it's just it's such a weird, such a strange thing. Um, yeah. And and yeah, it's it is. It's it's a weird life, people. It certainly is. <laughs> but a good one. But a good one. Um, so, so you're writing, but you're stuck. Your child is stuck in Disneyland. <laughs> yes. So we'll be getting her out soon. Don't worry, I people. Hope so. The flashback will. There will be some yeah, sort it's of a flashback. It's so right. It's in, a flashback. So she's something's so she's gonna. Okay. She's okay. Yeah. Clearly, because she's yeah. an adult telling and the story. Yes. But um, clearly, something needs to happen at Disneyland that has not happened yet. <laughs> right. Otherwise, you'd be out of there. <laughs> Maybe Goofy has to come and save the day. That's fun too. That's those. That's like good Disneyland time too. Mm-hmm. That's those back in the day when it was. I was just. Uh, this is completely off the subject, but um, there was an NPR story about the airspace above Disneyland is protected. Like ever since nine oh, eleven. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. heard that. And they really they've been fighting for decades to get it protected because they didn't want the guys with the airplanes with the advertising because oh, right. because Walt really wanted to create like he. Convinced he convinced Anaheim not to build any buildings around Disneyland that they could see above the horizon yeah. while in Disneyland, yeah. so that you could actually really try to believe that you were in Frontierland yeah, yeah. and things like that. And which I, which is just such an amazing, uh, creative, crazy, dictor- dictatorial <laughs> kind of thing. But at yeah. the same time, it's like and really cool. Like it's I very, get the yeah. vision of it, you yeah. know, but. Yeah. I well, mean, you know, and there's a there's a whole a whole world literally in Disneyland. That, that a friend of mine, the cast fell members. Off. Well, no, I mean, she she was trying to get onto the Pirates of the Caribbean years ago, mm-hmm. and some the boat kind of pushed off, and she fell right. in, into the water, <laughs> right. oh and yeah, and hit her leg on uh. the. Um, uh, what the do you dock the, or whatever. Well, no, on the whatever you know, like the um, oh, the mechanism the, that yeah, the, yes, it, that makes rail, the boat, like right. the rail, yes. rail underneath the water. Yes, and so she said, you know, all these pirates came out of nowhere, 
and like pulled her out of the water and her legs bleeding. And she was saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. And they were like, no. No. And they whisked her off down below into like the belly of the Caribbean. Yes. And she was picked up on a giant tricycle with a guy with mickey mouse ears and she was put in the in the back of this tricycle thing and raced through disneyland with the horn ah, 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 you know with this guy and Uh took her to a hospital that exists in disneyland right because they weren't this is the other thing i heard they wouldn't allow ambulances on the property until like 10 years ago or something yeah Yeah. so they had their own hospital kind of place yeah I don't so know. She, I think you're going to have to write the tricycle guy with the I, Mickey I know. Mouse ears. I, I, I may have to. I may have to. But I don't, you know, I don't know if that existed back then. Oh, uh, some, yeah, yeah. That's true. Right. Who knows? Yeah. It's a big, I, someday, has anyone written the full, well, yeah, I guess this guy, this guy was on NPR, was being interviewed about the airspace thing. Mm-hmm. He's written, I guess, some books about the behind the scenes thing. I've always been fascinated. I was one of those children at four years old that was completely indoctrinated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, went and it was like, it was real. It was real. Well, we, I mean, this is, I mean, it sounds so, you know, kind of ludicrous in a lot of ways. But, you know, my my stepmother, like, opened Disneyland. She was like the... You of know. course she did. Yes, of course she did. It was Julie so, Andrews. Right. Of course she did. <laughs> so we never, we never stood in line. No, we we would go as children. We would all my my dad and my my stepmother and my and, and my siblings. We would we would be taken through the back door and cut in line, right, and, and get go to- on all the rides. And so we never <laughs> we never sweated. You know, we never, you know, had to, you know, stand in line for hours and hours waiting for the Matterhorn. We, you know, we were, it was really extraordinary. You know, you're a civilian again in your life when, oh, you, yeah. when you end well, up having to go to well, places. Well, I have to like, do it now. Right, exactly. It's like when I go to kids. Vegas now, it's like, right. oh, I'm a civilian here. This exactly. is not half as fun as being. No. <laughs> I know. Where is my pen? Where is my two-story penthouse suite with an elevator? Really? <laughs> I really need that. <laughs> It's so fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the other cool, fun thing is, you know, it's like we we get these really privileged, special, weird experiences in life. And I mean, I, you know, and and the, I, I think my dad was always like, you know, like, okay, we're getting this special thing, but this is not how ordinary people do it. Right. You know, like oh, he no, was no, always no. trying to ground oh, yeah. in like the reality of things. Oh, like, definitely. You know, yeah. this, no, is definitely. Not, this is very strange and special that this is happening. Right. And if you don't say thank you, <laughs> yes. you're not going to Tomorrowland. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> tell tell the, the guide, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! My friend, um, good friend of mine, is a sound man. Just uh, got to go to Salzburg and mm. got to be part of uh, their shoot. They shot an interview yeah. with Diane Sawyer yeah. and uh, Julie for the fiftieth uh, yeah, anniversary 50th, of Sound yeah. of Music. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, it's yeah. amazing! It's just amazing. Uh, so I got to meet your. I got to meet your stepmom. She was doing Victor Victoria and my mom and dad knew your, you know, knew Blake and Julie. And um, we got to go to Broadway and we got to go to the show and it was amazing. Um, and we got to go backstage and we're walking towards the dressing room and my husband, Bob, darling husband, Bob, like pulls me aside and he's kind of sweating a little bit. I'm like, oh, are yeah. you okay, darling? And he goes, you don't understand. Mary Poppins was my first crush. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so we, we right. come in, we enter the dressing room, and Julie's in there and immediately drops a motherfucker or something. She mm-hmm. swears like a sailor, people. Yeah, totally. And it was just like, the, that moment was like, oh, and Bob, the look on Bob's face was just so fucking fantastic. Yeah. He was just like, yes, Mary Poppins <laughs> just said motherfucker. <laughs> and meant it. Oh, completely <laughs> meant it. I mean, you know, said it was such great force. And um, and she was so great. She, we had, she had to sign her guest book. Yeah. And oh, it was just lovely. Just yeah. so, so lovely. So I'm glad she's around doing fabulous stuff. She is. Yeah. She is. She's doing great. Uh, yeah. she's And she's singing. Is she singing again? Or is her voice? No, she's no. still not singing. Oh. No. No. It's very sad. <sighs> breathing through that. Breathing. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Life. Yeah. Man. I know. Yep. Absolutely. So um, I think we've done all we can do here. <laughs> You're writing another book, so I yes. will look forward to that. Good. Everyone, please go out to um, wherever your bookseller is. But if you do the Amazon thing, go on Amazon, buy Bar- the book. Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, are you doing uh, any uh, signings? I've done two already and um, looking to do some more. So I'll- so follow Jennifer on Twitter. She's Jen. Fur J E N F E R Mama M A M A Jen Fur Mama. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, invite her to come out to your local bookstore so she can read from her book and sign some books and sell some books. And uh, ladies, get in line, buy this book, enjoy it. You will love it. Buy your girlfriend, your sister this book for Christmas. I'm telling you, they will. They will be very happy you did. <laughs> um, I went on Amazon today and rated and reviewed it. Oh, so do that you. too. Yeah. That's important for all of us people out there who are live in the world of social media and and Goodreads. And Goodreads oh, Goodreads is, is yeah. totally great. It's yeah. my new other favorite I site. Know. I have to go on Goodreads and do that too. Yeah, thank thank you, you for the reminder. Yeah, thank you. And um, and of course, you all folks um, know where to find me. Follow me on Twitter, Kelly underscore Carlin. I'm on Ello now, which I still don't know what the fuck it is. It's the new social media thing. It's the Cockney version. It's the Hello. Co- Hello. And of Hello. course, I wrote Hello, Ello as my first post because I'm a total dork. <laughs> and I'm sure 82,000 other people, people have done, done that. Yes. But fuck it. I did it anyway. Yeah. Try Ola. Yes. Next oh, there you go. That's a whole nother site. Oh, my God. <laughs> The Spanish speaking. That's the Spanish social media side. Totally. Uh, so uh, I'm just looking here to my thank yous. Um, so thank you, Jennifer, for being here. It was thank a you, great honey. pleasure. And thank you guys always for listening, for downloading and all of that. And if you could do me two huge favors as listeners, if you enjoy this podcast, if you love my voice whispering in your ear do me two things. One of which is, is go onto iTunes and rate and review this podcast and let people know why you love me and what this is all about that. No, it's not, uh, you know, a comedy podcast. And no, it's not necessarily a political podcast or a spiritual podcast. It's all of those things. Um, it's just a podcast for all of America. And, uh, and then if you would also go to my website, kellycarlin.com and go onto the Waking from the American Dream tab and donate some money. Donate to our cause here. We are independent media. We don't get paid for this. I have no sponsors. I don't know how to do that. I mean, I suppose I could do an Amazon thingy or a, or an audible.com or, or get some X-rated uh, 
sex toy people to sponsor, but I don't know how to do any of that. If any of you know how to do that, please let me know because I'd like to learn. But until then, I am completely supported by my listeners, just like, you know, public radio. It's This is public podcasting. So if you would go on to my website, Waking from the American Dream tab and push the PayPal button and donate what feels good, $5, $50, $500. I've had it all here. And all of it is appreciated. It goes to keeping the lights on to keeping Stella fed with pet food and Logan's gas tank who Logan is not here today filled with gasoline which reminds me I'd like to thank Logan even though he's not here because he's always here he's my engineer he does everything he produces the music he picks the music he will be back soon he's been very busy I'm very happy for him and of course I want to thank Will Wilkins at Smodcast who keeps all the ones and zeros in line and who's the one who gets this live and gets it out on iTunes and Stitcher and all those great places and and does all that work and of course I want to thank Kevin Smith the grand poobah of Smodcast who who lets my podcast be on his wonderful network, even though I think I'm the only person with lady parts that does anything on Smodcast. <laughs> and um, of course, we want to thank what my dad used to call the big electron, but I call the big unknown, uh, whatever that energy is out there full of love and strangeness and wonder. Uh, we thank you for um, bringing us here and helping us hang out. And uh we're going to go out with, uh, hmm, what should we go out with today? We're going to go out with a little Carrie Cooper um, and uh, her little song that's called Anything is Possible. Six years old in the summer of 69. Ten o'clock was way past my bedtime in my tiny Texas town. The world seemed small when the sun went down And the moon was just a word in a nursery rhyme But all that changed One night in late July Glued to the TV screen Eyes on the sky And I can tell you what I thought When I saw that astronaut Step out on the moon, I said goodbye Goodbye, little world I'm just a little girl But anything is possible Anything is possible Goodbye, little dreams I was meant for bigger things Anything is possible Anything is possible It was February cold Home on a Friday night Fifteen years old Dad said, come here if you can I know you're not a hockey fan But we watched that team take Russia for the gold So goodbye, little world I'm just a little Anything is possible
has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.